do I need eyes? What are you talking about? I created the event horizon to reach the stars. She's gone much, much farther. Welcome back, movie fans, to another episode of Not a Bomb. As always, I am your host, Troy, and with me is the spectacular Brad. Brad, how are you doing this month? We've been watching a lot of scary movies. Are you losing any sleep? Uh, not not yet. Um, I did lose sleep over something I did last episode, Charles. Or, uh, I did it again. You did, I did it, it again. again. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. So last week, I accidentally called you Charlie. and uh, You can't quit me. I know. <laughs> well... That voice, for those who have listened before, um, is none other than one of our bestest friends, uh, Mr. Charlie G. Charlie, welcome back to Not A Bomb. We're so happy to have you. Um, I'm happy to have you because I, I don't know if you listened to the last episode. Brad um, apparently thinks I'm you. Just can't five, quit you five second, Five seconds into the episode. He did it again. <laughs> I know. I did How are you, Charlie? You know, the, the heart wants what the heart wants. That's all I can say obviously um yeah. this this is gonna be a fun episode i mean um we we talked about this uh here recently about how we all met and we did come together at the horror hound convention so horror movies are, are sort of in our wheelhouse and um charlie you you were you were the ones uh specifically that introduced brad and i to each other um are, are you obviously horror movie fan right oh huge you got absolutely uh, it's it's in my blood it's in your blood okay what was the last one you watched I, we, the we just uh, the last horror movie i watched was last night i caught up on m night Shyamalan's the visit the visit awesome um well we're gonna start the show with some listener feedback we did get uh an email from our good friend ben out in california um, so he's got a question uh, within the email that I think is something good to start with. And since you're here, Charlie, I'm interested on this one, too. So um, our, our listener, Ben, says, hey, Bombers, it's Ben from California once again. Hey, Ben, hope you're having an awesome October. Thanks for reading my first email on the show. Since it's spooky season, what are some of your Halloween time favorites? Um, also, I just want to say I love the show, even though Brad seems to hate everything. <laughs> I'm just playing Brad. I love you from no you're not ben. that's just life that's a 100 percent accurate assessment no that's not he, brad doesn't hate everything he may he may hate a lot of things but not everything there are things that even he stuff like. he likes he hates somehow <laughs> he finds ways to hate things he loves it's just a fact that's true you know okay. my st i don't whore out my stamp like you guys oh that's <laughs> cruel dude <laughs> Oh, I, no, it's, it's accurate for me. I'm, I am entirely a recommendation whore. I, it's fine. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at peace with it. 
Well, since you are a recommendation whore, um, Charlie, uh, let's start with you on this question. Um, do you have any like Halloween favorite movies that just you end up watching every year? What what are what are your go to movies for this season? Well, there's always the traditional ones um, that you know, kind of everyone has the Halloween's trick or treats um, stuff like that. Uh, one that I, I have in recent years really come around on as uh, being a somewhat recurring favorite: uh, Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Ooh, um, what, what, I love what about that, that movie everything i mean it is brutal it's gory it's got a it's a folk tale it's a reimagining it's got an incredible cast uh it's got great effects work it, it blends witchcraft in with it's just it's kind of like the total package for a halloween flick in my opinion because it has the the right um kind of time of year setting salem uh the with everything kind of blends together you've even got real life villains like jeffrey jones uh, <laughs> there's all sorts of stuff it's firing on all cylinders um so Great christopher I'm lee in that fan. movie yeah i forget he's in that every single time i watch it and then he pops up <laughs> And yeah, Ray uh, Park. Let's not forget Ray Park as oh yeah he Ray plays. Parks. He's awesome oh is he it. the oh yes gosh. yeah um um even though uh, Ray Park's kind of weird now but um <laughs> true <laughs> true yeah but uh I I mean uh, what's his name Michael Gambone as um uh I can which one of the Van Dalton's Van Garretts I never get them right they all have Van something or other um but the just the the kid in the movie that plays uh, young Masbeth is great Every, the whole cast everything there's just a I feel like that's an underrated film that gets uh, not like kind of forgotten. Like it was, I feel like it was a success. I don't know the numbers per se. And it was because I've, was... I've looked at, I've looked to try to do it on this episode and it's like, it was actually reviewed pretty well and made quite a bit of money. Yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah, but... like it, it did really well. For yeah. Enough. Yeah. 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 Not to be considered a bomb because, but yes. like, it, like it was a success, but like it wasn't like a home run success. And I think that's partly because it was, way more gory than anyone anticipated or expected at the time but it that also kind of makes it like be more of a consistent uh lasting impact in my opinion <laughs> so i just I, that's the kind of that's one that i have uh most recently fallen in love with over and over again and uh i feel like it's 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 the right time of year to fire that one up if you haven't seen it in a while that is a great pick man I, and it's one of those that um i always forget about like you said, I mean, it, it, it's yeah. successful, reviews well, but I don't think it comes up in enough conversations. So I, that, that is... It, yeah, it's pulpy. You get to watch Casper, da Casper Van Dien get cut in half. Who doesn't like that? <laughs> well, we, no, I literally think, no I, one. If you haven't seen it, then I'm sure that fact alone sold it to everybody, right? Casper Van Dien's own mother, like, bought five tickets after hearing about that in the script. I mean, like, <laughs> wow. it's awesome. Wow. Are we throwing shade at Casper Van Dien? Oh my god! No, no, I love Casper Van Dien. It's just, it's just great to see him get cut in half. Okay, um, we didn't know where you're going with that. So, no, uh, I have no. Casper Van Dien is. A, I'm sure he's a delightful gentleman. Um, love his work, but I, I love seeing the man get cut in half. All right, Brad, um, you got you got a go-to movie or movies that uh, you watch every year. Um, so I have, you know, the normal, like The Shining, The Exorcist, um, Texas Chainsaw, the original. Um, but one, I'm going to kind of steal Charlie's idea. One, I think that doesn't get enough play. And Charlie, I think you like this movie quite a bit, too, is Brotherhood of the Wolf. 
Oh my gosh. Goes yes. Ooh, with, I love that movie. Kind of goes along with the same thing with Charlie. Like it just kind of fits the mood. Um, and of course that movie is French. So not enough people have seen it, but I think that is a, a great horror movie that if you can get your hands on it, it's not the easiest film to kind of uh, to own. I've, I, I have it, but I've, I've tried to kind of get more. And I know that some of them are region locked and all this stuff. So I've been, uh, been a big fan of that and I'm getting ready to try and see if my wife will watch it with me. So uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf. That's like, just so, sitting on the you, Brotherhood of the Wolf corner selling Brotherhood of the Wolf yeah. Blu-rays. Hey, hey. Just, just, well, I got this market corner, yo. I just I just like I want like a like a new, you know, the the edition I have is like I don't know, maybe 12 years old, 15 years. How old so is that? Rem- old? Remember when I said Brad finds something to hate about everything he loves? <laughs> Shut up, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's if you can get a hold. So um, that's funny you picked that one. I think you and I talked about this a couple of months ago. I introduced my son to it because we were um, talking about Mark Dacascus. And um, I found a fantastic all-region Korean Blu-ray um, that I think I picked up on uh, Kimchi DVD or one of those websites. Um, or, or that it, it has a fantastic print, but it's, you know, just like you said, um, Brad, it's hard to get a hold of. Um, I think even when it was out on DVD, I bought the Canadian version. It had like a three disc set or something. And that was, that was really hard uh, to track down, but man, what, what a great a Canadian version. Like that's what you have to end up with. Well, you have to remember it's a French film. So Quebec and all that. stuff. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Fair. I remember I saw that in the theaters and, uh, and I didn't know it was French going in. <laughs> so I was very confused for, a, for half an hour as, as, a, as an, you know, whatever, however old I was when I saw that. And uh, yeah, uh, directed by Christoph Gans. Uh, and it's, it's 19 years old. So it came out in 2001. Um, Jesus, and, it's that old. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah. And he and Mark Dacascus also worked on, I don't know, did you guys ever see Crying Freeman from 95? That was the other, um, I did not. They worked together. Another one that's hard to, so that one never got a US release, but it's easy to find Blu rays, um, just, you know, eBay, stuff like that. That's another one you got to check out if you like Brother of the Wolf. But, Brother of the Wolf is, man, if you have not seen it, it's Jaws mixed in with some fantastic martial arts sequences. Um, and I'm trying to remember. Don't forget the sex scenes. And the government uh, corruption. Yes. And, yep, yep. and Vincent Castle, right? Uh, who puts yeah. in just a creepy performance. Um, man, that that's, I feel like my pick is lame compared to what you guys brought to the table. Mine's so traditional. Um, yeah, come on, great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Let's go. Yeah, no, I, hey, uh, we have a couple family. F- I, I, we talked about this a couple episodes uh, episodes ago. We we kicked off the Halloween month watching Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Um, I think Charlie, you were with me when we saw the work print. So the effects weren't even done. Um, there wasn't even a soundtrack, and and that movie just was fantastic. And and when we saw the finished product, that's that's become a Halloween staple for us. But uh this pick may be kind of lame but it's the it's the movie we watch on halloween night every year and it's uh avant costello meet frankenstein it's got all of the universal monsters and and every year like uh i'll I'll pick one i'm i just finished with the dracula set uh man david carradine's a horrible vampire when they get to house of dracula house of frankenstein those movies not not a fan you're stronger than i am because i love those movies and i even can't get there like i can't do it i just i i quit 
Yeah, but I, that that film to me is is like quintessential. If you get into like horror comedy, um, I, I think it it is one of the best ones out there, if not the best one. Um, and it, I, to me, it's the best Abbott and Costello film. But man, you get all the Universal monsters, um, it, some fantastic sequences. It all just works so well together. Um, and it gives me an excuse to kind of just break out any universal sit and set and just say, Hey, is it, is it time to, you know, go watch all the Wolfman movies or, you know, watching the Dracula set this year, um, the two that impressed me, the, um, Dracula's daughter and, uh, son of Dracula, those were really good, especially Dracula's daughter. I didn't, I didn't expect that to be so good, but, um, yeah, my, my picks not as cool as you guys and off the beaten path. It's. Eh, it's it's what we like man we love the universal monsters and every year it's an excuse to to crack that one out does monster squad have all of them in it no invisible man is not in monster squad right invisible man is not no yeah. it is a, a dracula a creature frankenstein mummy wolfman i believe yes. that's just the five mm-hmm. yeah. well in, okay. invisible man shows up at the end oh, oh, oh not i'm oh, sorry okay. you're talking monster squad i'm talking like- yeah sorry I, I, you're about I to just blow my a, mind. I was gonna be like, was, "What?" Yes, he's there. No, nobody knows he's invisible, did, so he's obviously. Did we not see him? Yeah. I mean, God, I think I just had a stroke. I was just like trying to decide whether or not I just had been watching Monster Squad incorrectly for thirty years. Just like, wait, what? My brain's not catching up with the conversation. Apparently, um, hey, but hey, one quick is, question though. Yeah. Can I, uh, Brad? You mentioned like watching The Shining for uh, Halloween. Is it just me? Like I always do shining in the winter, like like winter, winter, like because I it's just I don't know. There's something about the snow and like I know yeah. it's lame, but like I just pair it. No. I don't know why. I mean, I'll watch. Like, I'll, I just I'll take any yeah, ex- yeah. I'll take any excuse to watch uh, the shining. So I'll probably watch it again in December. Yeah. So it's just I don't know. It's just been in our rotation for you know yeah. our October movies we have to watch every year, and you know it's hard to get it out. So. Of the rotation so. i guess like i work so mentally about like themes of like okay what 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 fits the time of year or the month or whatever it is and like that snow in that movie is just so iconic to me and it just like slides right in and I, you better believe i'm throwing dr sleep right in that that repertoire here next month because that puppy's going in because i love that thing well that's uh, we've dropped name dropped a ton of different halloween movies um and i shared an article with you guys a little earlier today uh, Forbes a few days ago, um, apparently their headline was that science uh, has now discovered the question of what is the scariest movie ever. Um, and apparently what they did, they brought a bunch of people together and said, okay, we're going to set them down and we're going to hook them up to, I think it's a heart monitor, and they're going to watch through you know, a bunch of films and uh in 5.1 surround sound and it was 50 people that consumed about 120 hours of what was considered the best horror movie so i don't know how they got the list together but um as they're watching these films they're judging the heart rate monitor and did did it shock you what they considered from science the best horror film of all time according to this article in this little 50 person scientific study the ultimate horror movie is Sinister from 2012, directed by Scott Dickerson. Um, and the reason why they come to this conclusion is they have a resting BPM uh, on average of about 65. The movie BPM 
jumped up to 86 on average through the film. Uh, the difference is about 32. And then the highest spike, which was a jump scare, uh, came in on average at 131. I wish I knew what jump scare that was. Yeah, I, I am too. And, and what's interesting is, so when you look at this top 10 list, um, and Charlie, a film that you said you just watched, which is The Visit, came in at number 10. But you got Insidious at number two, The Conjuring at number <laughs> so three. Ridiculous. Hereditary at number four. Paranormal Activity at number five. It Follows at number six. The Conjuring 2 at number seven. The Babadook at number eight. And The Descent at number nine. And rounding out the top 10 was The Visit. Um, and these all range from 86 BPM on average through the film down to The Visit at 79. Uh, what do you what do you guys think about this list and and science proving that these are the top ten scariest films? Obviously, I think there's one big omission from the top ten, and it's got to be The Exorcist, right? Like, yeah, I, I agree. And I, really? I just I, mean, I just saw that Friday night at the Mahoning Drive-in, which um, if anybody in the East Coast or in in the area has not been, you got to go um, watch the the documentary at the drive-in, but even that film and that's another one that my family tortures me with yearly <laughs> to sit down and watch that film and it is terrifying to me still and i, and I know the, my heart rate was way above 130 something isn't <laughs> during it some sequences. isn't there a difference between like a creepy like i think it follows is creepy like i'm never scared while i'm watching that movie but it is really creepy and being scared right like there's those are two different I want to say like emotions, like being creeped out and being scared. I don't feel are the same. So sometimes it's hard, like that kind of creeped me out, but I wasn't scared. Well, well, so and we I'm sorry, hereditary being in there is so con just overall confusing because 90% of the people I've known that have seen that hate that movie. First of all, really? And what? Yes. Well, I, I'm not saying I don't, I, I love it, but I'm saying that most everyone I've talked to that have ever seen, I think it's boring. Uh, boring stupid don't understand it yada, yada yada take a pick um but it's also extremely slow and much more of like a grind it out like with a big payoff so i don't really find it to be like a consistently like it's like brad said it's very creepy in in parts and there's some shocking elements but it doesn't really get scary scary until like what the last like 10 minutes yeah, yeah. well like, if you look if you look at the numbers hereditary is four but it says the and and they're ranking them based on average heart rate during the film so I, I think this would support what you're talking about is that hereditary number four has an 83 BPM, but its highest spike is 109. So it has the lowest of the top 10. So obviously there, there's not just a lot of jump scares to it, but apparently the atmosphere, the creepiness of it, um, put it in the number four spot. And we were just talking about the exorcist. If you go down this list, it's number 17. And it has a 77 BPM with a 92 spike. Um, I was spiking at 130, 150, <laughs> maybe 200 at some of the sequences in The Exorcist. I don't, I don't understand this. Um, Blair Witch Project, which is my wife's favorite, was 23. It, the, the Shining is number 33. Uh, Alien at 24 is insane. Yeah, The Thing at 25. This is an interesting. We we posted it's, this list up if an article. Wolf Creek being anywhere on here should be you know burned <laughs> at the stake. I'm sorry. Oh, Brad, your Texas Chainsaw Massacre is 15. Yeah, see, I don't know. I don't it's know. it's a it's a very 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 specified list that I don't think you could like if you're going to try and make this kind of an assessment, which I don't think is without merit. 
you need a far greater sample size than 50 people yeah. um yeah. you probably need like you know a couple thousand yeah uh to to make any sort of legitimate argument to get any sort of sample size that that has any sort of you know validity to it i mean what in what order did these people watch these was sinister the first movie they all watched and so it's just like the the one that got them all going and then they just watched exorcist last so like oh my god i'm done with it like i, I don't because, know i mean it, it also i mean I don't know what the demographic or age group is. Yeah. I, I don't know how many horror films these folks have seen. Like, are these repeat viewings or yeah. first watches? Um, and what? Who I, selected Dark Skies to be watched after its opening weekend? Dark Skies. <laughs> Brad and I did that on our original podcast, and I haven't thought about it until I just saw it here on oh, this Oh, God, list. we did. Jesus yeah, Christ. Why is dark? Why am I thinking about dark skies in the year of our Lord 2020? <laughs> I don't, why am I reading that? Well, it's number I 30. I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy. What? what, what Poltergeist I, it's ab- above the shining dark skies. Ethan Hawke's dark skies above the shining. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that says enough about this here. Uh, Forbes list. Yeah. No, it's a, Hey, we posted it on the Facebook page and uh, also Twitter um so if you're following us um you can definitely see this article and um also see the ultimate horror movie science um that they put together it's interesting i mean let's face it every horror film is subjective at the end of the day right it's It's like comedy it is i mean it's what scares you um so because troy i see your movie at number 19 it and i've seen i saw that with you and you were terrified so <laughs> that movie i was there me. too brad thank you oh, very sorry. much God, i'm trying to me out of the narrative i'm trying i'm trying to get back in Troy's good graces charlie so sure bring up clowns that'll work well <laughs> yeah no 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 bueno on the clowns man <laughs> that one i uh gosh and every year somebody's gotta do some type of hide a clown in the office or at home and Stop it, people. It, that's what I'm going to die of. When you guys read um, in the newspaper that I had passed on because it's heart failures, because somebody did some clown stupid crap at Halloween. But hey, speaking of scary movies, I mean, the reason why we're here is it's your pick, Brad, right? Episode 18. Yes, I, and... picked, a, I picked a Paul W.S. Anderson movie. I, I thought that was kind of odd. Um, so we're we're talking without Mila Jovovich in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Know. We're talking about 1997's Event Horizon. Um, you know, bef- before we get into it, uh, in- any particular reason on this one, or is this is this a favorite of yours? I mean, uh, Ben thinks you don't like anything at all. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, so like I mentioned last time, I think I have seen parts of this movie because of HBO. <laughs> no less no less than 50 times like I, i've probably only seen it all the way through maybe two or three times uh but it was on hbo it seemed like all the time and i feel like this movie in sphere like occupy this occupy the same part of my brain it's like for some reason they meld together in like this weird amalgamation i'm so sorry kind of wanted... sphere with with sharon stone dustin, dustin hoffman, hoffman the underwater uh, samuel ones. jackson samuel yeah. jackson yeah oh, wow okay yeah um, so I, I was trying to kind of parse out what is Event Horizon and what was Sphere. So I was like, well, what? <laughs> well, I don't Sphere's watch... a nap. So there's that. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. I don't want to watch Sphere. So I was like, let's watch this one. And um, I, I mean, it's interesting. It's got an interesting story behind the actual production that we'll get into. Um, so I thought it would be a good um, kind of 
jumping off point for a conversation. So, yeah, th- those are my favorite. I mean, I love when we pick a film and it's got a little bit of history behind it and stuff going on. So I'm assuming for all three of us, this is not our first time watch, correct? No, not at all. Same not with you, Charlie. Me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have to ask real quick. So Screen Factory was supposed to release, I think, a Blu-ray this month, but they pushed it back to January. Um, and Screen Factory usually has tons of special features. How did how did you guys watch Event Horizon? Was it- I, actually, I actually bought it just the digital because it actually, the one on iTunes was in 4K. Oh, 4K? So, really? Yeah, yeah. So I just, I bought it and it was like, oh, you can buy it and watch it in 4K. So I was like, okay. So I, I, I watched that one. Did it look good? <laughs> no? Okay. No. This movie... Uh, uh, Did you watch the opening, uh, the intro <laughs> ship effects there, Troy? Do you think it looked good? <laughs> I Some watched of the, mine on the Paramount two-disc DVD set. That do, do, this, do you, do you think this, the hamster dance special effects that we get to deal with early on are, are looking great? Ooh, Apparently, at some point in time, I was playing a PlayStation game. I was like, oh, my <laughs> Lord, it does not look great. What, what about you, Charlie? Did you Did you stream it as well? I actually uh, found it on a Showtime app. They they uh, they were offering it uh, this month, so I streamed it off my Showtime. Okay, it was well, nice and easy. Brad, this like you said, this one had an interesting background. But um, when it was released, how did it do? Uh, not so great. So we're looking at a sixty million dollar budget, which oh God they oh. made. So they made a lot of these sets. These sets are gigantic. Um, it was filmed out in Pinewood Studios. So all these sets are huge. Um, and yeah, very... that, that's the studio where they film a lot of the James Bond films. So yes. the main studio that they're in is usually, you know, if the, the Bond villain secret lair, that, that's where they're filming this, right? Yeah, oh, which, man. yeah. And oh, they just burn money. Yeah, so oh man. Well, literally uh, apparently so, they did because they set oh, the set on man. fire according to the commentary, so. Oh my god. Oh, actually building these sets. Yeah, all of it. In in a oh, short amount god. of time too. So, um they uh they had to find somebody who was willing to work within their production timeline um and put it all together and uh build it all from scratch. God, so every time you watch Event Horizon, someone else loses a job, basically. Yeah. Because they're so, just like, it's that. Holy God. So so it makes, it makes uh, $26 million at the box office. Is that total or domestic? <laughs> that is... Like total? Yes. Oh, um, wow. Actually, that might be domestic. Um, I don't... Yeah, 12,000 yen as well. Uh, yeah, domestic is 26. I don't think it made much overseas anyway. Um, yeah. It didn't translate super well to the German <laughs> audience, I guess. I mean, what? Okay. Um, yeah, so so not great. Um, it reviewed well, uh, right? <laughs> um, it's a Paul W.S. Anderson movie, so it did not. Oh, okay. Um, we are looking at a grand total of 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, that's um, low. A lot of people think this movie is a jumbled up mess. And... Um, think that it's all show and no go if you will so, oh okay um <clears throat> and the audience for this movie is slightly higher at 61 percent. Sixty-seven thousand reviews on rotten tomatoes from the audience wow sixty-seven thousand. yeah yeah so this is a little bit of a cult classic i think uh, because of the fact that it was 
such a staple on HBO. I think people like me have a weird nostalgia for it. So, um, and you have a young Lawrence Fishburne. So, and Sam Neill. So, you know. Yeah. And Sam Neill, I, within a couple of years in 95, he does what uh, in the mouth of madness with John Carpenter. Wait, you want to go back, Sam Neill, you want to go back just a little bit further. A little I'm bit just further. waiting. I'm waiting. You want to what? keep going for? Well, I was I was just thinking 95, oh. the madness, and then 97, he's doing this one. I but guess he wanna... was. Yeah, he wasn't busy in 93 at all. He was. You want to go back in, to 93? Nothing. Well, I, I mean, was that uh, the, the 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 um what the dinosaur movie? <laughs> <laughs> that one? Or yeah. that, is that, keep, that one we're talking about? <laughs> Yeah, keep okay. keep pushing it, sucker. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, for uh, you want a clown, you want a clown in your driver's seat no, tomorrow? No, you keep Charlie, going. We all know you keep love going. Jurassic Park. We all. I'm I'm just talking. I mean, Jurassic Park, I guess, is scary, right? Yeah, it's we all float park. down here too, there, Troy boy. But um, Paul W. Anderson, you're you're right. I mean, as a director, shopping 1994. That's what he comes out with, and I think that one has uh, Jude Law in it. Have you guys seen that one? No, never even heard of it. Oh, no one's seen that movie. Uh, it's not shopping. Bad. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, um, you can find the Blu-ray cheap. It's oh, it's 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 halfway decent. Um, I think I'll oh, but it. I got to go to Canada to get Event Horizon or whatever it is. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, he follows shopping up. He he has a pretty interesting. Um, you, you use the term like sort of a cult following. I I feel like his whole resume is just one big listing of of cult films to some degree. Um, shopping not a lot of people even know that's his first movie most most people assume his first movie is from 95 when he does mortal Kombat. that's what puts him on the scene right and mortal Kombat's a huge hit so i love mortal Kombat. who doesn't if, if you don't like mortal Kombat, I, I i don't know i we can't be friends well that's that's extreme, christopher but, lambert yeah. is raiden is the greatest uh <laughs> casting of all time of all time. <laughs> so he does Mortal Kombat and he uh, gets a choice and he has the ability to do X-Men or oh. he can do a uh, R-rated script. Now, X-Men, they had already told him another PG-13 film or he could he could do another film. And his next film after Mortal Kombat is, is 1997's Event Horizon, which you know, we're talking about today, which kind of makes sense. If you, if you think about how well Mortal Kombat did, the first thing that I was puzzled about is how this guy gets $60 million with, you know, his third film, but it was mortal Kombat, right? Mortal Kombat made $122 million. Yeah. And they Off were of an $18 million budget. So yeah, he was getting to write a check for whatever he wanted after that. Yeah. And so follows up event horizon with Brad. I, I thought this would be your favorite because technically I believe it's the sequel to blade runner, isn't it? Which is 1998 soldier. I mean, Troy. Wait, hold on. Come yeah. on. We need come on. If you read Soldier, Soldier is supposed to be set in the same universe as Blade Runner. No, you don't buy that? I don't. I oh. don't. But it has Kurt Russell. I know. It does Soldier. have Kurt Russell. Soldier, better movie. <laughs> then what? Wait, better movie than what? I hope you did not say. Oh, oh, don't Blade Runner. Yeah. Soldier is a better movie than Blade Runner. I'm sorry. I, I I like my naps less wet than Blade Runner. Oh my god! <laughs> I just wish we were in person for this. Uh, wow. Okay. Oh. <clears throat> so, Soldier '98 follows that up. I, I just I wish everybody could see Brad's face because it is priceless. Uh, 
um soldier 98 follows that up with another huge hit resident evil 2002 which spawns like this huge franchise right yeah um then goes to alien versus predator in 2004 death race 2008 comes back to the resident evil franchise with afterlife in 2010 does a little film uh the three musketeers in 2011 Oh um, man, that's a that was bad. a that was a big movie that flopped hard. Oh, that yeah. wasn't little at all. That was huge. Orlando yep. Bloom was in that, and like there was a lot of people in that. Uh, yes, and then Resident Evil Retribution. And I totally forgot he did this in 2014. Pompeii, the disaster. Yeah, that's film. that is. Have y'all seen that? Has anyone seen that? No, no. I I have no interest. I have. You sat? Did you see and, it in the theater? Or did you watch it? Oh at God, home? no, no! I'm not that damned. No, <laughs> okay. it, it, Pompeii is is. Oh man, is it's, that the Kit like, Harrington movie? If yes, it is. Okay. It's got Kit Harrington and the what's her name from Sucker Punch? Um, uh, Emily Browning. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, it's like if you could imagine Titanic, but like. <laughs> crippled like <laughs> okay crippled titanic like, like imagine titanic got put through like i mean it didn't end texas, up for the titanic the texas chainsaw family's like house of horrors and you know it's got one eye and it's like you know got one leg now it's been put, you're, hung you're, up you're on selling me on this film charlie what everything you're talking about <laughs> makes me want to watch this Kiefer sutherland plays the leader of pompeii or rome or whatever it oh, is i'm sold and he is need to giving go watch this. no accent at all it, it's amazing it is amazing he is just snarling sutherland as this roman emperor and uh, you've got oh, what's his name john snow just flexing around in the dirt while they all just get turned to ash it's incredible like wow. it's garbage of garbage of garbage well it's eight dollars like and 25 cents on amazon on blu-ray that doubles their their cash from their made from there and you're selling me charlie i might i might have to pull the trigger on that um sutherland really makes it because he's so so like he is there to remodel his bathroom that okay. is all he is doing <laughs> That's all Kiefer Sutherland came to do was to get just some new quartz countertops. That's all he wanted. They are nice. Right. Those quartz are really nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 2016 Resident Evil, the final chapter. And this year we've, we've got another Paul W.S. Anderson film, um, Monster Hunter, based on another video game. Um, and now Paul is uh, married to Mila how do you say your last name? I don't I want think to they're divorced now, though. Are they divorced? I think I remember seeing that they are divorced. Okay, because she's like been. I remember getting films. that. Jo Mila Jovovich. Yeah. Jovovich. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I, he, I actually find this filmography kind of interesting. Um, it's very pulpy, and there's nothing um heady about this, or I, I would even classify Artur artistic. Obviously, I mean, this is this is somebody who is um pure Hollywood popcorn movie making, right? But Brad, is is Mortal Kombat your favorite then out of this list? Oh, by f leaps and bounds, yes. Okay, Charlie, hmm. where, where do you lie? I kind, I don't know. Like it's, this is a very weird one. Like I could see that like whatever I would, my preference would be dependent on like the day. But I, I same similar to Invent Horizon, I have such a soft spot for Soldier. I really do. Um I, I saw I that really like soldier a hundred times. Film. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's just a fun movie. Kurt Russell absolutely kills that movie. It's a space um, Western. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, and he's 
excellent in it. The, the it's simple. It doesn't try to do too much, and it's, it relies mo- a lot of, on him. And excellent bad guy. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. I just like if you told me like lined all these up to to watch right now, I'd pick Soldier. I would almost so Soldier. I think it, I think Mortal Kombat is. I I like Mortal Kombat, but. I would probably pick Soldier over Mortal Kombat, but I would pick Resident Evil over Soldier. I really enjoy the first Resident Evil film. I think it's uh, yeah. really good. Isn't that one the most like close to the video game a little bit? I uh, mean, it's the most it's the most actual movie. Okay. Like, yes. Like, I, I, yeah, I think so. I, th- I think it has all the video game like, elements, but from a movie standpoint, um, I think that's got the lasers, right? The laser, the laser hallway. Yeah. That's slicing people up. Every other resident evil is a cartoon. Yes. Just like, just flat out. It's like, it, it's just a cartoon. Whereas that one, like at least like there's something to like, quote unquote, chew on in some respects, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I really dig it. I mean, it's, I think oh, it's yeah. a good, I think it's a good it's horror a film. Movie. It's a good action film. I mean, it's good. He's, he, I mean, we'll talk about it in, in depth when we talk to him, or talk about him as a director. Oh, he's coming on. <laughs> Paul W. Sanderson's joining us. Tonight. I wish I have a lot of questions for him. He's my cousin. He's my cousin, guys. So I'll get oh, him on. Oh yeah, on. Brad Anderson. That makes sense. Um, this this film, Event Horizon. The other interesting thing is, um, it's it's written by Philip Eisner. Now, this guy doesn't have a lot of credits. Um, the only film that I think I've seen, and it might be the only other movie he really kind of did, was Mutant Chronicles, and that was with oh. Thomas Jane and Ron Perlman. It was a science fiction film. I feel like I've seen that and it's terrible. Uh, Charlie, I think we watched that movie. I think we have. Together. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really familiar and like I hated it. Like <laughs> it's I don't I don't remember hating it, but I don't remember it being that great. But I mean I just that name like like there's a a bad taste in my mouth. Like I feel like I just licked a, you know, the bottom of someone's shoe. Like it's just like <laughs> Mutant Chronicles. Ugh. Like yeah. And then we got it. So Event Horizon, last thing to talk about in terms of behind the scenes is the cast. And, and you mentioned it already. We've got a very young Lawrence Fishburne um, as Captain Miller, um, Sam Neill, uh, Dr. William Weir, um, obviously does scary movies like In the Mouth of Madness and the, uh, the Dino Park one. Um, Kathleen Quinlan, Jolie Richardson, Richard T. Jones, um, <laughs> Jack Noseworthy, uh, which we talked about the low-grade Mark Hamill when we were talking about Tenebrae. Uh, Jack Noseworthy, in my opinion, is the low-grade John Bon, bon Jovi. Jovi. Yeah. yeah, if you look at him, he looks like a young John Bon Jovi. Um, Jason Azics as DJ and Sean Pertwee as Smith. Um, See, interesting cast. I mean, a lot of British actors here. Um, I always feel like Jack Noseworthy, or what's his name, Noseworthy is... Um, uh, Oh God! What's his name? Uh, the, he's in Mouse Hunt and something about Mary. Um, oh my gosh, it's escaping me right now. Um, Lee Evans. Yes. The guy, yeah, that guy. I feel like he's his like little brother. No, he's he's like, John Bon Jovi's son, <laughs> little brother. I don't know. He's related to. I yeah. I looked it up. The first every time I see this guy, I'm like, he's got to be related to to Bon Jovi. He's not. But I don't believe the internet. I think Jack Noseworthy is related to John Bon Jovi. I don't care what you tell me. And for the purposes of this podcast, I would refer to this guy as Bon Jovi from here on. Has anyone ever seen them in the same place at the same time? No, no, no. I think I think they're two separate people. I just oh. think they're related in okay. some regard. 
Um, oh, I like Brad's theory better that he's actually scamming us to be like a D-grade like character actor. It's <laughs> called Baby Bear very often in an actual yeah. feature film. Yeah. If I was um, that man's friend, I would never refer to him as anything else but Baby Bear ever, till he died. And that, I I want to talk about that uh, here in a minute because that that was that character um, I think is odd. But but before we Troy, if you Troy, if you willingly did something in which you were referred to as Baby Bear, I would never not call you Baby Bear. Yeah, it's just that it's that simple. Let's not start calling me baby bear <laughs> let's just leave that alone for now because we all knew no i do stupid things and i could easily get some dumb nickname like that so i'm not gonna even go there but listen brad you back on track had talked about this being a troubled um film there was a 130 minute cut when it was originally um, put together uh and i i watched the film but i also on the dvd listened to the commentary and they said that uh, obviously the the studio and the audience, when they looked at the 130-minute cut, was too graphic, too violent, um, didn't go well with test audiences at all. And in fact, um, Anderson says they actually went through three cuts. So they had three different test screenings and a bunch of different cuts. And he makes a, in the audio commentary, he makes a comment that it got scarier as they moved along with the edits. So they started with 130 minutes. It did not test well at all. They tested another couple of times. Um, but this film got rushed in terms and pushed up in its release date because of a film that we kind of talked about already, right? So that was Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Titanic yeah, went, yeah, went over budget. It uh, wasn't going to make its street date. Paramount wanted to fill that street date. So Event Horizon got pushed out the door. Um, so... Standard editing time for a film is roughly 10 weeks. Uh, they got six weeks for this one. Um, so we're cutting out 40%. And like we said, there's three cuts to this movie. So um, they're editing a lot in a short period of time. Um, and I would say it's pretty evident that this movie was rushed um, when you look at it and the way it was edited together. Cause I got a lot of things to say about the second half of this movie. So Okay. Hey, well, sometimes well, pressure makes diamonds. Sometimes <laughs> pressure collapses upon you and crushes your soul into oblivion. Yeah. Well, let, let's get into it. I mean, um, I'm going to start with. Yes, Hold on. Gonna, yeah. Go ahead. Did Brian. you guys? Did you guys actually look up and read what an actual Event Horizon was, or just was it just me? What an uh, Event I've, Horizon I've it, was. I've heard it before, yeah. but I can't remember. I didn't yeah. look up what an Event Horizon was. Go ahead. So. Um, are you familiar with a guy named Einstein? Um, di oh, uh, no, go ahead. Okay. So <laughs> relativity. So you, Einstein's theory of relativity is that you can't, like, one of the things is that you can't travel faster than the speed of light in space to escape a black hole. Um, the closer you get to a black hole, that point in space where the space and black hole meet is actually called the event horizon because to escape that black hole, you have to travel faster than the speed of light, which can't be done. So it's also known as the point of no return. I, I think I said all that right, but I watched a lot of YouTube videos on what an actual event horizon was. So, Oh God, Brad, do you think the earth is flat now? Guys, <laughs> guys. Yes. Let me tell you about Scientology. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. I, if you let me meet Tom Cruise, I'm in. I'm so. Oh yeah, in. that's right. That's yeah. yeah. Um, 
Uh, hey, this is your pick, Brad. I'm going to start with you. So, the Event Horizon, the point of no return, black hole stuff. Um, I- I'm just curious. You said you're picking this because you saw it a lot of times on HBO, etc. How many times have you watched this film in its whole? A bunch of times or? No. This time I saw it now was probably maybe my third or fourth. Okay. Um, I don't know why what i'm doing with my life that i've seen event horizon four times but you know whatever um you know it's it's not a perfect movie but i am a sucker for a kind of a whole like a haunted house in space kind of film um especially where people are going to be on a mission and they're going to have to like travel through space really really fast to get somewhere and then of course, they they find a ship that's abandoned. Like, sign me up for that all the time. I'll I'll be on board. Um, you know, Charlie, we watched that movie Pandorum a lot um, oh. back in the day, and that that kind of fits along the same line. It's like, you know, give me a science fiction horror movie that's set in space. Um, do you guys remember the video game Dead Space? Oh, loved it. Three of them. Yeah, right? like yeah, yeah. yeah I think fantastic. I mean. I don't know for sure, but I think Dead Space literally like used a lot of this Event Horizon like stuff um, for it. it. It had to be like a big kind of a motif for like that video game. So anyway, but I, you know, I like it. I think the cast is great. There's some really dumb parts in this movie that I think are awesome, um, and the effects are uh, not supposed to be seen in 4k or even high def <laughs> um like i said before it's like all of a sudden <laughs> crash beta is like running across the screen <laughs> it looks really bad so Yo, uh it, lawrence fishburn doing his little uh swim moves to go save uh baby cakes or whatever yeah i i just it had me rolling like yeah. this thing some bad green effects, screen yeah a lot of a lot of wire yeah i i think it's interesting it's you you called it a haunted house in space i think that's how anderson describes it yeah. and i know his attraction to it and i agree with this that that's a cool concept you have a haunted house in space if if traditional haunted houses if something's haunted you leave the house and go stay at the hotel right you just get out of the house the whole idea of being trapped on a spaceship that's haunted is you can't go anywhere you're you're stuck there so that's a pretty cool concept. Um, Charlie, what, what's your initial reaction to this? So, I, I mean, you seem to have a, like a lot of fun with it. Did it, did it scare you at all? Do you consider this a scary film? I mean, I uh, remember it as being very scary when I was a kid, like uh, similar to, to Brad, like I've seen this in pieces a thousand times. Um, but also when I was a kid, I think in part, I actually avoided this because it scared me. Um, it kind of really kind of touched a nerve uh, when I was growing up of uh, just seeing like just whatever, you know, all the, all the gnarliness that's involved in it. Um, and I would always kind of start watching it and then it would eventually creep me out too much and I would turn it off or something like that. Well, you were um, a good Catholic boy. So hell really scared you. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was definitely what it was. It was definitely the, the hell part. It was, that was it for sure. Um, I, it's just uh it's a strange little beast because the fact that anyone would give anyone $60 million to make this 
just boggles my mind. Like sixty million dollars now, sixty million dollars then, sixty million dollars in twenty seventy five. Like whenever you're making this, sixty million dollars to make this movie just feels just absurd uh, with the content that you're producing. Um, is it is like, it absurd because of is it absurd because of the script or? I mean, sixty million dollars for like a, a spooky movie in it's, in space. But not a spooky movie. A borderline torture porn esque, um, very graphic, dense sci high sci fi concept slash space adventure with a a very uh, paper thin cast. Even though it's a good cast, like all the element like this is like a swiss cheese of a movie there's just holes everywhere um but at the same time like it's for me it's just eminently enjoyable like it's just like a warm bath like it's just like <laughs> like the strangest like warm bath because it's like the 90s nostalgia um it's just like brad was saying i love a good stranded like a uh, perfect example Terrible movie, ghost ship. Terrible oh, wow. movie. Yes. Terrible yep. movie. I agree with Gabe, you. Has, a, has a fantastic Burns. beginning. Has a, I mean, oh, it, amazing opening. Get your attention in the first 10 yeah. minutes, but whew, yeah, it turn wasted. it off after that. Yep. But simultaneously, I will sit through that son of a bitch anytime I've ever seen it because I just enjoy the basic concept of the 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 isolation and the uh the force maneuvers to to you know free yourself uh you know same it's not the exact same one-to-one -one, but you know you've got it with alien you've got it with uh the thing uh anytime you have uh a scenario where you have a, a group of people and they're they're forced thrust into this, this kind of a situation and they're isolated and then you add the element of like you said brad good catholic boys you've got the the hell fire and brimstone factor uh sam neil basically being the the mouth of sauron um throughout this it's uh it's just like the right amount of weird and mundane and kooky because the cast is all over the place you got jason isaacs trying to stab everybody with a scalpel every five minutes um it it's like it's just a strange mixture of ingredients that like you know is it is it really that strange is he this, this is the thing i i I can totally understand where 60 million got ponied up for this thing because I think um, we've got uh, Anderson and who is it? Eisner, the screenwriter walk in and they tell Paramount and they go, Hey, look, have you seen 2001? Have you seen the shining? Have you seen um, the haunting? Have you seen Hellraiser? Hey, look, we're going to do a mixtape of these films and put it all together and, um, and you give us a budget and we're going to make, you know, we're going to make this hodgepodge of all these different films. And that, that's how they sold it. I mean, there's not an original bone in this thing's body whatsoever. Now, the question is, um, does it effectively do all the things that those other movies did? Because there, there is nothing, not one thing in this film that you, you look at and go, man, that's, that's an entirely original concept. There's, there's not one. And I totally I just, understand how a studio could look at that and go, I liked all those movies. Those movies are known as like cultural, scary films and they do well from a box office perspective. So if you're pulling all the best of those and putting them into a film, 
heck yeah, I got 60 million and we're going to push it out there. <laughs> Cause that's exactly how movies work. <laughs> that's exactly. And they, and they, you know, meet a release date, Titanic's gone, push this up a little bit farther. I mean, th this, this is, you know, <laughs> this is probably for the most part, nineties filmmaking. Yeah. Now I will say now we can all say the best scene of the movie is, uh, Dr. Weir explaining how uh, uh, folding pieces of paper to make time travel or space travel work very easy. I think that I knew that scene when it was coming up, regardless of when it was happening, I knew it was happening. It's like one of the most iconic. I mean, is that like one of the most iconic film scenes of all time? That is the legacy of this entire yeah, film. Like, that whole scene, everything they do there, is the entire legacy of this whole film. Period. And I want I want to say don't they steal that for Interstellar? Yes. Yeah. They okay. Steal, they 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 steal it for 72% of time travel movies okay. since 1997. Yeah, okay. So, so yes, Event Horizon does contribute to the film going audience and their I understanding fold. of how to fold time and space. Yes. Yes, with, with a piece, piece of paper, paper with a pen through it. It, it did give us that um, from a... No, not a piece of paper, a porn poster. Thank you very much. Uh, it was poster, just a yes. pen. I think it was just a pin up. I don't think it was... Yeah, was oh, no, she wasn't Oh, naked. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to her family. Jesus. <laughs> so you guys you guys have kind of razzed a little bit on the uh, the set design and everything. We, we talked... I mean, that's where a lot of this budget went, right? Was to build everything. Why um, can you... You can't see anything. What's... <laughs> It is very dark. It's this movie like, is really dark. It's like um, a Nine Inch Nails video. What the fuck? What did they spend the money on? What's? Uh, I mean, what, the, what about the technology? What I mean? Did they build it a takes factory? In, takes place in twenty forty seven. Um, were you impressed by the the technology of CDs or um, <laughs> CB walkie talkies? Yes, um, there was kind or of buttons like, or switches that were all yeah, over they, the place. They did have like a mm. iPad looking thing hanging up on a wall. I mean, it was very thick. Yeah. But... Well, a fun story in the commentary. So if you remember the sequence, <laughs> when was Microsoft Surface actually, yeah, uh -huh. when when Weir is running around and Larry Fishburne is is um, talking to uh, who was it? Uh, is it Jason Isaacs, DJ? And saying, hey, be on the lookout. And they've got that little, what looks like an iPad and they're communicating. Apparently that effect was super expensive to do um, because of the camera angles, putting it on there, the, the CG oh. to just get that iPad looking thing was, was pretty expensive, which I, it, it makes sense for, you know, 1997, but man, could a, could a 1997 look more not like a film that took yeah. place in 2047? <laughs> We're in 2020 now. We've surpassed everything that's in that movie except for the the gravity drive so but again uh, they they borrow oh the gravitron from hell yeah, yeah yes i don't think we have quite unlocked that well i don't know it is 2020 we might we might yeah, have maybe. Done it, actually maybe. well I, yeah. I i won't dump on so here's the thing i do like the the ship design and everything that event horizon is it has a very gothic looking um structure to it cathedral like um, yeah yeah cathedral like so I, I do i do think the one thing they got right in the set design is sort of its its gothic look and religious overtones and stuff like that um they they did a nice blend of it, you almost feel like you're in a space church although it looks like a very cardboard plankish 1990s space church 
I guess. Well, but like you look at Prometheus, like that's a like a not you know not a direct descendant, but like like a fifth cousin twice removed on your father's side, and <laughs> you know they really lay lean into the space churchiness a little bit, especially in Covenant, uh, Alien Covenant, and I feel like you know it helps when you can see things. Um, you know, you spend $60 million on building space churches and, you know, I want to see, you know, the architecture just a little bit better. Um, How many scenes are in this film of Lawrence Fishburne standing in a cavern or running down an open, like a gigantic hallway where you cannot tell anything else is going on? Like I get the initial, um, uh, I guess you could say just kind of slow burn aspect of the way they're trying to, you know, cover up what's actually happened to this crew and, you know, what, what, where they are. And like, they have those little like flashes where you can see like all the actual blood on the walls and the bodies and stuff. But then as soon as they kind of figure it out, like somebody turn on a light, just flick a switch, like, you know, do whatever, reroute some power, you know, you know, the old adages, just do something so I can get some sense of the geography of anything going on because otherwise it's just all gobbledygook and that's where we go back to our buddy uh who's coming on joining us program later paul davis anderson (laughs) i think really you know lets this film down himself because there's just like you have you do have good sets i don't disagree that they're not like bad they're they're interestingly made they do have that gothicness they have it's not quite hr geiger it's more like hr geiger meets tim burton's batman like Tim Burton's Gotham City, like if those two had like a very, very cheap baby that they did not ever spend any time with and it had daddy issues. Um, but at the same time, like it just, you just don't get to see some of the cool aspects of it. Um, the most interesting dynamic set design wise is the, uh, like, what do you call it? The Gravitron, like the heart. The gravity the ship, drive. So the, sp- the sphere. Gravity drive. Gra- yeah. Okay. The sphere. <laughs> no, the sphere. Don't you dare. No. no, I'm not doing sphere. I'm it's not the sphere. Je- jellyfish are not going to be in this. Episode. No, God, heavens, no, I'm not doing sphere. But that at least is got some really interesting stuff in it. And why is that? Because it turns into a damn light, and you can actually see things. And there's uh, some cool aspects to it. And of course, well, well, everything, are- everything in that, everything in that side of the ship look fantastic. Because even when he goes through the tunnels, which is all the, the green- meat grinder. The green looks oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I mean the the little um, crawl space that just yeah the crawl space is great. You know all these electronic boards and everything that it's just this pure green environment. I I don't know. I this is one of those films where you you definitely can tell where they put some love in a particular set design or concept. Mm -hmm. And I think you're spot on, Charlie. Like that that sequence, everything that they built around there is fantastic. It's inspired. It's original. It's new. I love it. Um, it. It's very gothic, but yet um, futuristic at the same time. And I think the exterior of the ship, even though you know it's it's floating out at Neptune and you're in a thunderstorm, you know, cloud Wait. type coverage. What? Okay. Is this more I, your science? I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've got a science question for you guys. Okay. Ugh. So they they pull up on the ship, right? Yeah. And there's all these clouds and lightning. Yeah. Which would mean that they're in low orbit uh within oh god gravity's pull so there would be no reason why there would be zero gravity on the event horizon if it's that close to neptune um 
I believe Neptune. But you can't have haunted house Thank, effects. I know. Yes. Okay. Ne- Thanks, Neil deGrasse. Let's I, go ahead. Yeah. Think, okay. Well, okay. This, this this brings up a good question. So, the, but if you're, you know, if lightsabers you're not, can't work either. Well, okay, if you're not going to pay, if you're not going to pay attention to the how, how science works, like to like the most basic level, then it's hard for me to believe about the other stuff too, because it's like you're missing. I know folding a piece of paper. All I gotta say. Yeah, no. You fold yeah. a piece of paper. That's how time travel works, but or space travel works. But I don't know. Is is that not like? And when when baby bear goes out into space, I'm so sorry. We, yeah, hold on. Can we talk about him for a second? Yeah. Um So Bon Jovi. Uh, I. I <laughs> what? How does he get jobs? Well, Who how did how did he how did he get to go into space? Because. Yeah, what's, what's my thing? Oh, yeah, no, 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 oh, no. I have on. so many questions about this entire mission. I, I and and I'll go on my little rant, but then the question I would have for you is: do, Does this stuff take you out of it? Because th- this is the one part I could buy into the whole. I don't know if you're in gravity, not in gravity. If you're in Neptune, five miles, forty million miles away. My issue is 110 percent of Earth's, so yes. they're about roughly the same. So I, the only thing that took me out is. Look, if if you're in space and you see some black floaty liquid in space, um, you don't touch the black floaty liquid in space. And I have to imagine oh. there there is a question that just says, okay, question one, you see an unknown liquid floating in space, do you touch it? And if if you say yes, okay, you can't go to space. Like that that has to be a space question. Troy, you're an American going through COVID-19. I think you know, as well as all of us know, but there's plenty of m- dumbasses who would A, get that job. But they're not sending them to would. space. I think they do. In 2047, oh. they will. Okay, but... Th- for me, the biggest... Uh, for me, I gotta... Hold on. I gotta, I gotta get this off while I'm thinking. <laughs> the biggest hang-up in this whole movie, and I stopped the film, and I had to sit with it for five minutes, is that Sam Neill brings a recording, the last known recording of this ship, and he plays it for everybody. He waits. He waits. They have left. They have left, I presume, Earth. And they have been in these pod, happy pod things for a long time. It's stasis. Now they're doing stasis. <laughs> I like happy pods. So they're in their happy pods. They get out. They're doing their debrief before they actually do their mission. Now, Sam Neill feels like, okay, now I'm going to actually tell you guys what the hell is actually going on. It's top secret, Charlie. It's top secret. It's code black, you know, whatever it is. So now I'm going to play for you all this recording. Remember, I work for the NSA. I'm going to play this recording for you. And then... I it's been run through these these filters whatever to finally figure out what they've been saying, but they couldn't figure it out. Wait a second, Jason Isaacs is on board, folks. <laughs> he knows Latin, and you know what? Nobody at the NSA they don't know no Latin, especially in 2047. They have no they have CDs and Microsoft services, so they can't translate Latin. But Jason Isaacs. You know, on this billion trillion dollar space mission, he's the one that's going to catch at the last second that this says, you know, Liberté Tutorme, whatever the hell this is in Latin. And I had to scream. 
They didn't, they were, they put the resources, the, the budgetary resources <laughs> from the NSA to decode a space message from a missing spaceship that's been gone for a decade. Seven years. Didn't, whatever. And they <laughs> didn't get it translated from Latin. This isn't the Rosetta Stone. It's Latin, and they didn't get it. It's three words. Yeah, it's it's... three words, and they didn't get the NSA does not get this translated before I know it... leaving on a trillion dollar space mission to hell. So what you're saying is that it's not Amy Adams trying to decipher no. circles. Okay. I had to stop the film to assess my life, <laughs> to assess my government, to understand where we are as a people that we're going to run trillion dollar space missions without translating Latin. Charlie, this, this, is the, this is the team that sent people up that failed this question about touching black goo in touching space. Touching black goo. So I... Hey, if they're sending those people up there, of course they weren't going to take a minute to translate the Latin. It, it, they couldn't even. You could. You couldn't. There's. They don't have a computer. You're on a spaceship. They, don't, they have CBs. You can't run it through a. Oh, I forgot they were space truckers. Yes, they were space truckers. I. The only thing, and you know me, I get irritated sometimes, and it oh, makes yeah. me. It can make me physically angry. It's the only part of the movie where I felt like throwing something. So I, Humble, I hopefully floating the... out in space for a few seconds is not is fine. No, that's fine. He's baby bear. Baby bear got special powers. We don't know about All right. But the NSA who reads everything, who's listening to this podcast. So thank you for your, your patronage. Uh, NSA who who's, who's capable of decoding everything in in the year of our lord 2020 but in 2047 just doesn't take the time to to break down some latin from a, a hell ship budget constraints charlie you read about it every yeah, day time you know you're right you know <laughs> so do, does that does that stuff take i mean i i that moment of touching the black liquid your your moment charlie I, to me it's like yeah that's that's typical horror movie junk um if, and if anybody complains that they can't get into spooky movies or horror movies because of this type of logic. I totally get it. I totally understand. There, there could be a bunch of listeners who went, you know what? I'm going to skip October um, because it's not my cup of tea because movie logic just doesn't make sense to the real world logic. Uh, and especially when you get into something that is sci-fi horror and you've got this element of science fiction with some, uh, I, I don't know, um, gothic horror religious elements that are kind of thrown into it uh and some very goofy physics on top of that i mean does does all of this take you out of the film and it makes it hard for you to appreciate it or can you get past that and go hey look this this thing's no different than a friday the 13th with the the stupid camp counselors you know running around doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing yeah i mean it's the we're not going to run out the front door because we're going to run upstairs or down in the basement sort of mentality where every character in a horror movie pretty much makes the wrong decision every time to put themselves in a situation to get killed or do something that 
is going to kill someone else. So you're that's that's horror movies, you know, for the most part. Um, so it doesn't take me out of it, but you know, you got to get some stuff right um, to kind of feel like you prepared more to make this movie than than I did, um, knowing very little about science or space or pretty much anything um, well it's it's just the assessment of like every time you see someone like that you just know that that was written like at 3 a.m off after the sixth rail of coke <laughs> and you know like they're just not focused at that point you know they're just not paying attention the broad strokes have been painted the details are not important they're ready to get going they want to make their scary you know space flick with their hell orgy scene um, that they can, you know, show in the background. It's probably going to become a GIF in 30 years. The, the attention to detail here is lacking, I would say. In, in, yeah, in there, there's a, this particular film. There's a lot of choices that says we've got to we've got to insert this because we got to get them from point A to point B. Yeah. Um, I will say this though: this movie does have a secret weapon to combat all that, and it's Larry Fishburne or Lawrence Fishburne. I think he grounds this a little bit and gets me through the stupidity of some of the plot points and great case in point is when everything is just really you know going to hell literally um he turns around and his reaction is like hey we're out we're leaving right now and when we get in a safe distance i'm blowing this thing up and we're, we're done we don't care what happened where it's been what's going on his his concern for his crew is to get out of there and even how he treats sam neill to a certain degree where you know um that dr weird character uh larry fishburne is just basically trying to keep everything in control um and i think he his reactions and his characterization is consistent um and he's the thing that i think is the counterweight to all of the horror movie logic that goes on in this film do they at any point call him Dr. Weird? Because if not, that was a bad script. <laughs> missed, that was a, that was just a script error. I was waiting for it. I, d- I didn't catch it. I thought it was coming. I, like, like an I said, off, I like, okay, Dr. Weird. Yeah. yeah, it's not, it's so there. It's, yeah. you can't name the eventual Hellspawn surrogate Dr. Weird and not call him <laughs> at some point during your nightmare film, Dr. Weird. It's just, it's what you do. I'm sorry. It's in the contract. So I have a question about Dr. Weir. Was his motivation the whole time to go to hell again? Or like to go I to don't hell? understand most to see it, to be with, with this character. So, okay. So in most religions, if you commit suicide, you automatically go to hell, right? Right. Okay. So his wife cuts her wrist in the bathtub she commits suicide. She is probably in hell. Is that his motivation to get back with her to go to hell? I don't think so, but I think that you just made more sense and <laughs> inherent. Uh, you just made it a better film after the fact that that reading, if that okay. is the intent, uh, they just miss it by a mile. Um, in my opinion, but I think there's I think- something there. I, I don't think it's his intent. I think he's a super damaged character who will risk everything to be reunited with her because he starts the film shaving with the razor that she used to cut her wrists. So that little character detail 
he he's a broken, messed up individual from the very first scene because he has a nightmare. He wakes up, he's shaving, he's using the straight razor that his wife used to commit suicide. So when presented with the fact that there is a possibility that he could be reunited because that's his vision, right? He sees her throughout um, the entire trip uh, and, you know, with, without the eyes. So they got the, the bad CG eye thing going on there. Um, but I, I will say that is one interesting, you know, outside of Larry, Larry Fishburne's character, who I think is the best thing about this film, um, you do get that one little um, piece of information later on in the film when you, when you see how she commits suicide. And if you remember how the movie starts and he's shaving with that, it's like, oh yeah, there, there, he was only going to make one choice. When this ship tapped into that, because the ship's alive and says, hey, um, if I'm going to take you here and there is a possibility you'll be reunited with your wife, he, he's going to take that and just forget everything else, put everybody else in danger. That is interesting. Too bad it's executed not so greatly, but you know. I, yes, it's too subtle in my well, I don't want to say it's too subtle. It's just that I it it how do I say this? It doesn't it doesn't stand out in comparison to the rest of the stuff going on in the film. Well, I will say the first half of this movie is pretty straightforward. Um, once everything starts to go crazy, like the last 45 minutes of this film feels like they had no idea how to edit it together. I was pointing this out um, to my wife. There's a scene where Sam Neill is on the Lewis and Clark um, doing something. And then in the next scene, he's on the event. No, I'm sorry. He's on the event horizon doing something. And then next scene, he is like on the Lewis and Clark going down the pad to do something else. And you're like, how did he get from here to there? They, They never show it. And then there's like a bomb that he placed inside the thing that blows up the Lewis and Clark. And you're like, wait a minute. And then there's these things where they have to go in and collect 25 of those tubes. And I'm like, did we miss like a whole scene where they explained that they had to go get those tubes? Like, do you all remember them? I think there's like five of those missing, Brad. I don't think you're just, yeah, but I'm just saying, it's like, a, they like, Oh, we have to get 25. I'm like, when did they ever spell that out? Like, I have no idea where this is coming from. It's like, Okay, I understand the production was like rushed, but like you're missing like main points of how to push this plot forward that like I have no idea how we're getting from point A to point B. Uh, like Sean, Sean Pertwee gets blown up and I just I didn't even know how it happened. Like I was just like, how? What? Yeah, yeah. he took one of the bombs from the bridge that is used to separate the front and the back. Mm -hmm. But you never see that, right? Like, like it's not like we're like it's just like alluded. It's literally dictated to us, and like as it's happening, so it's like, oh, well, Lawrence Fishburne's looking for him. Discovers something's missing, and then the you know Sean Pertway says, "Yo, yeah, I I just saw him on the ship here." He's like, "Oh, you gotta get off the ship." Oh yes, the old tell don't show sort of exactly. There there is a lot of tell don't show, but. I, I don't know if it's just the editing. I mean, the thing that I noticed is, um, you know, Paul Anderson's camera work, the camera's always moving. Even when you've got four or five people talking and exchange, the camera's moving around them. So, and, and the camera's going towards them, it's going back. Uh, and you either get these very close up shots of people's faces, or you've got this constant camera movement. And again, I've never edited a film. Um, but even in editing my daughter's softball footage <laughs> for, uh, to share with the family, um, there is a sequence of like where the ball is coming, um, where it's going. And you have to put that stuff together, especially if you're, you know, cutting things out of it. 
And I think that makes it much more difficult if your director is constantly moving this camera around. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I have to imagine it was an editing nightmare to come in and say, well, you got to lose like 40 minutes. Um, and you have to lose 40 minutes with a director that obviously was staging some very choreographed shots, um, but they don't all add up if you're taking the wrong pieces out of it, I don't think. And another thing I noticed when we I was watching it this time, boy, they rely a lot on some jump scares in this movie. To this the point thing where is I was all like, jump scares. I was like, oh man, I forgot how jump scary this is to the point where it's like, you know, the, the thing I think when you rely on, on jump scares is like you're not confident that your movie has enough natural tension or isn't scary enough. So you have to throw in these points of, hey, here's a jump scare. And then- well, Go ahead. They they utilize the same. Uh, they it's the a strength in sorry Troy. It's a strength in it, but in this I feel like it's a crutch. Um, they they do the old like uh, what scares you? You know, like what's your real fear? What's your actual? You know, what's the baggage you have that you carry? But they only do it for a few people really, and it, it just drags the material down in my opinion because it. It takes away from the um, like Troy. You talk about how how good Fishburne is when he is like very methodical. Like, okay, we got to get the hell off this thing. Like, operating like as more as a military man. Like, we got to get X Y Z done and get out of here. And I think it would have been far more effective overall if they had just been like, okay, we are going. Like, this is gonna, this has been to hell. This is what's come back. We're dealing with this, but we have to do with like. Uh, Larry Fishburne burned somebody up and he's got to come back five times. And one girl has her, her kid who's got, you know, fish legs or something, whatever the hell was going on. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a hodgepodge that forces you. Sorry. Sorry. Fish legs got me. Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm like, how did you get fish legs out of that? And then I'm trying to remember it. I'm like, okay, I, I guess fish legs. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but it's like you take you have to explain you have to first of all we're already dealing with ship from hell like we're already trying to get there then we're dealing with okay we're stranded on ship from hell we're trying to figure out how gravity drive works how we get off do we need to go back what do we need to call for help all these different elements oh wait now we're going to take ship from hell, find out your deepest, darkest secrets and your fears. Make that your the real meat and potatoes of what's going to scare you as we take our slowest ass possible time to do that with fish legs. And it just like it drags, it puts the movie in the mud, in my opinion. Um, whereas like they could have, I would have been much more engaged if they like, because like you've got such a great cast if they were looking at this as a like escape mission, like let's get the hell out of here, let's get it moving. And you got Sam Neill sabotaging things or, or trying to, or you don't know he's doing it yet or something along those lines. Um, and everything's just going wrong. Something like it versus it's, the it's personal, the, like it just, it just it, it has all clunky. the elements. It has everything there. But so the question comes down to atmosphere, jump scare and gore. And all this film has all of it. So you run across some films that are heavy on atmosphere. So one of the inspirations that it borrows from heavily is The Haunting. And I don't know if you've ever seen the original Haunting. I'm not talking about the Liam Neeson, Catherine Zeta-Jones, 
but the original black and white haunting. Um, there's there's a sequence out of here when the thing is coming, you know, trying to come through the door. Sam Neill wants to let it in, and you get you know it banging on the door, and you get those Dutch angles that are all coming in. I mean that that is straight from the haunting. Um, and you have some films that do that well, but that that's the only card they want to play. They want to play the atmosphere. It's a slow burn, so slow build. They're going to use noises, sound effects. Um, you have the gore, right? Um, tons of movies might pile on the gore, maybe mix in a little humor, et cetera. Uh, and then the jump scares. Um, sinister. I, I, <laughs> what, Best movie ever, thank you. So put some scariest, respect on Sinister. Scariest, scariest, scariest movie, movie according you. to science. But I mean, Sinister Hashtag has, scariest movie ever, sinister. has a lot of jump scares, right? A lot of the James Wan conjuring stuff like that it's probably a textbook of jump scare usage because I think they do it pretty effectively. You know, I, I'm not, I, I think jump scares are great. It provides that sort of haunted house, spooky ride, um, get, get your heart going if, if done effectively, but this thing tries to do all three. Do you think if it had stuck to one, two or Hey, do all three, but it's your editing and your pacing. That was the problem. That- I don't think it's needed a single jump scare. I, I think you can do it with it, but it's it's all in my opinion. I'm with Brad. It's editing. It's the it's the just the decision making. Like they had something here that could have been a really efficient, really strong like spaceship from hell. That's all you. That's that's your that's your trailer. Like that's that's your tagline. That's your everything. That's your pitch. Spaceship from hell, and we're stuck on it, and we got to get out. All you need, and. You have all these other elements at play. You've got a, a shit show of an editing job. You're trying to, like you said, have your cake and eat it too with jump scares with gore and with, with atmosphere. You don't know how to light a single damn thing. <laughs> uh, it's just a, a death by a thousand cuts kind of thing. Like there's like a thousand good things going on and a thousand bad things going on and they kind of level out in, in a kind of strange concoction and event horizon yeah <laughs> I, I i mean i'll say this one of, one of the things on the commentary that i that struck me as odd was they were talking about um we'll, we'll refer to the fish leg scene um <laughs> with the uh with the <laughs> i can't get that out of my head so when they show that sequence where she's having a vision or the or the ship is showing her a vision and you get her son on this medical table and stuff's going on with his legs, right? They're deteriorating, melting, maggots, whatever it is. And she glimpses of it and it cuts away. Apparently that sequence was much longer, right? So that was one of the, in the 130 minute cuts, it, it was very graphic. And what they found out from the test screening was everybody was really digging the atmosphere and were super scared. And when they get to that sequence and you see um, what's going on with his legs, everybody universally said, hey, look, that was so gross. And, and you know, the gore factor took them out of the suspense. Um, and they, they just, they weren't scared. They were disgusted. How does a movie like 1973's Exorcist, which I think, you know, you look at Dick Miller's effects, the stuff that they do to, to Linda Blair's face, that whole make... That to this day is some of the grossest stuff, I think. And yet um, it doesn't take away from the atmosphere or even the scares of it. Now, I know some people look at The Exorcist and go, doesn't bother me. I mean, it's the whole possession thing. But you cannot deny how intellectual that film is. 
um, its use of makeup effects and practical effects uh, and its ability to maintain that tension, especially through the exchanges with the priest. Um, whereas, you know, Event Horizon amps up the gore and you got a test audience that goes, no, you got, you got to trim that out because I can't be scared with that. I don't know. Oh, I, and I, th I think you have to pick and choose because with you, A, you got, you got gore. B, got gore with kids. That's a double whammy that you also have to walk the line on. But, but just, shouldn't that be effective, especially for, I mean, we have kids. I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't stuff, kid trauma, shouldn't it affect us and, and hit us in such a way to where it, it makes us, the, the whole idea of scary films to some degrees to contextualize your worst fears and maybe even come to terms with it, right? You, you read all these articles about why people like horror films or, or the benefit of horror films. But it, at the end of the day, I mean, it, it it's cathartic to come to terms with your own films. And some of the most effective films, I think, are the ones, obviously, I hate clowns. Um, and I haven't seen a horror film to make me get over my fear of clowns. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this. I like this idea you're going with. So I keep going. Let's, you know, you know, there's a lot of really good ones uh, that we could help you get over your fear with. This is a really great plan, Troy. It's not I a like great plan. I'm just this. saying. One I the, think it's brilliant. One I of the things brilliant. about horror films is they resonate better when it taps into people's fears, right? So how is it that The Exorcist is so effective at that and event horizon should be, I mean, does it really just come down to the editing? I think so. I, and I don't know, man, you're, you're, you're comparing the exorcist, which is one of the best horror movies ever made. It's the 34th scariest horror movie of all time. <laughs> so, Get it right. 17th okay. to the to event what horizon, is, which, you know, there's one. Well, I'm making, class. I'm making yeah, that comparison because he put it out there. He, he borrows from the shining. He's borrowing from the haunting. He's, he's borrowing from Hellraiser. Well, I mean, I, I, like you said, Exorcist, 17th scariest movie of all time. That's its legacy. Event Horizon. Paper. Like, <laughs> this is like, that's the, the legacy. The paper it's, and pen. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's like, it's not like, it's a challenge. Like, I, I think uh, a movie we, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, like something like Dr. Sleep, you know, that's something that is more modern that also has effects work that also has tension that's long that's got a dense story uh but it's well made so i i think a lot of the little things that we have issue with here come back to our good buddy and special guest paul ws anderson um it just like i think that he was biting off more than he could possibly chew. i mean for god's sakes he went from mortal combat to a high concept sci-fi haunted house horror film like yeah. it's a jump like yeah. it, and he went from a budget of what what did you say Brad? 12 million to 18. 60 18, 18 yeah, so to three 60 times. triples his budget entirely changes his material um it has little to no experience with with this industry gets rushed like there it's like i said it's death by a thousand cuts i'm not necessarily saying that he is 100 at fault here obviously there were a lot of other things that he had no control over but ultimately you know he's entrusted to deliver a product and i think he just did not get the job done enough uh or someone did not get the job done enough of an effective manner to most effectively uh, convey the material they had. 
even though they have a lot of good things here still. Again, I, I love the cast. The set design is good when you can see it. Uh, the concept's awesome. And I even think some of the gore and some of the uh, practical effects work is a lot of fun. I think Sam Neill, when he go when he turns, is yeah. great. The the like, corpse, I think it's the, the I love when yeah. the body falls and hits the ground. Yeah, it yeah. hits the ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there is, there's some there, really there's good, some awesome effects. I, I, I for for a '97 film, the practical effects I think hold up well. The things that take me out of it are the um, the floating objects, right? The CG yeah. floating objects just yeah. look horrible. But um, yeah. I. I think a lot of the effects still hold up well. I, that's why I was curious about the 4K, um, but it doesn't, huh? No. Okay. I, I honestly think, and I'll kind of piggyback off what Charlie was saying, is it's, maybe we're kind of lucky that we got a cohesive movie at all. Mm -hmm. Like With all those factors going against us that we can actually watch a movie and say, here's the plot. Now they're a lot, whoa, someone is going to kill Troy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but yeah thank so, you for whoa, uh, that yeah, was scary I that paul ws anderson has joined the chat <laughs> wow so you heard but, the yeah. creaking door as well <laughs> yeah that was scary okay. all right um but like Ooh. i say I, I think i think we're lucky that we got something that we can maybe come to a conclusion that here's what kind of the plot was trying to do and here's the movie because it could have been this is a total mess and now it's like eh, it's a mess but it's kind of fun. I, I, yeah, I, I kind of agree. To me, the plot's very simplistic. Like I said, it's, it's a mixtape of several. <laughs> but anytime you try to poke a hole in it, you can. It's like anytime it does not hold up to scrutiny at all. Well, it, it what is, there's a difference between story <laughs> and plot, right? What did you say about you it, poke it, a hole through it's going through both sides, baby. The story is simplistic. It's a bunch of people go to investigate a ship to find out what happened to it, find out that the ship is haunted. One guy doesn't want to leave and puts everybody else in jeopardy. And I mean, that that's your story, right? But for the, the plot that's getting you from point A to point B has all these holes. Mm -hmm. So it should but, be, this should be the Rob Bottin movie or the uh, Rick Baker movie. Like this, that's what this should be ultimately. Like this should be like, get okay we get the, the crew to the crazy ship the crazy ship's here shit's crazy uh sam neil's evil wants to go to hell uh because he wants to be with his wife that's your entire emotional strain that you got there and now you let the effects dudes go nuts like okay let let let, let them make the saw traps or whatever the hell you want to do for an hour and right. and then they find the way to blow it up or whatever it, that's it that's all Could you, you imagine like it's awesome could you imagine like if Ridley Scott like directed this film oh. or something like that? Like the concept of this movie is so good that I would love for someone to who is capable. Could you imagine 1997 David Fincher doing this? Well, yeah. Yeah. Like he would like that is the kind of you would get something that would that like that. that if it's seven in space. So like that's really what you're coming down to. From from what I understand, only just reading the internet so take that for what you will that they're trying to take this story and turn it into a mini series or tv I mean, show i saw that i saw Ooh. that yeah. which could work quite a bit now i think that's a way better idea did we miss the best crossover in cinema history though could we have gotten hellgate v stargate or event horizon v stargate if the stargate was inside if they would have gone to egypt when he put his finger in the thing 
Is that a better movie? Because it probably Whoever wins, we lose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the ultimate (laughs) question. Go ahead, Charlie. (laughs) Now I'm imagining Baby Bear like, if you'd seen the things I'd seen and it like cuts cuts to him and he's just like watching a DVD of just like Stargate or something like like he's <laughs> like that's actually what it is. He's just actually seen the the VHS copy of Stargate wow. or whatever. So I, I actually, think I, this, like I think this question I I'm assuming you guys are going to go well of course, right? But um I'm going to ask it anyways. Would would a 130 minute cut hurt or benefit this film? Oh, benefit a hundred percent. Because the problem, the problem is, is there's too much missing in this movie. You don't know. I don't know if it's too much missing. I don't want more fish legs. I, I, I agree. Want, I do. I I want less of the other stuff. Like, okay, here's the thing. If you can meet me in the middle here, cut out some of the other crap. I'll take more fish legs. In that scenario, yes. It's just, I already think there's so much fat on an already like barely survivable piece of meat. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's fat. I just, I can't imagine a 130 minute version of this thing. Like, no, what else do I want to know about um, the people, their fears and what they're going through? Um, It's funny you brought up sphere. I mean, sphere, I I think is a terrible film Um, filmed with some amazing actors and event horizon is you know an academy award quality when standing next to sphere in my opinion but i don't want 130 minutes of event horizon i'm kind of with you charlie's like there i want something more in some areas not necessarily anything less but i i think there are some things missing maybe five ten minutes here but i, I don't want 130 and it I, needs to be leaner and meaner and 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 not like not maybe I, like like the, i just think that it's yeah the gore like uh i think you called it the the orgy scene or whatever because I, I, yeah. that's what's going on right apparently that's that's extended as well i don't i don't need more of that stuff um leave leave you know that stuff on the cutting room floor it's nasty enough as is mm-hmm. um but give me give me some more atmosphere don't lay on the jump scares and I, well, and I, you know, there's more melodrama there and like, okay. Oh, I think perfect so. Yeah. Exa- perfect example. The freaking survivor of the, the two survivors of the damn ship, the mission are the fourth and fifth build leads that also get almost no time, no background, no nothing. They're like there, they're, they might as well be like, uh, uh, props on the set for the most part. Like I love Jolie Richardson. Don't get me wrong. Like uh, she's fantastic. I, lo- I love her in many ways. Under one Dalmatians. Um, I've seen that movie like yeah. a million times. I got kids. <laughs> um, and 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 uh, even Richard T. Jones is. I mean, they're like they're barely here. Like it's like I forget they're in this movie, and yeah. then they're just there at the end. It's like what the hell? Like who were you were like they might have been ghosts. Like I didn't even know they existed. Yeah, it's well, so I- strange. It, it is. I mean, they're there to go through the, um, it, like something I would like less of is the whole shining montage where it's like, here's a bunch of blood come through the corridor and you're going to get swept up in it. It's like, I, yeah. great. I now want to go watch shining. Yeah. Um, yeah. G- give me something else. That's a little bit more atmospheric and not referential. Um, but uh, again, for all of those minor details, um, I, I, you got Larry Fishburne and, yeah. and he kind of holds it together, man. 
I mean, every, but time, every time he's in the scene, I, I'm I'm kind of buying it. They're on the event horizon 20 minutes into this movie. And they're, you know, there's 120 minutes left after that. So I feel like, I don't know. Does that seem rushed to you guys that we're getting to the focal point of this movie 20 minutes in? Possibly. I, I That may be why that beginning sequence with Sam Neill, because I never even picked up on it until I went back and watched the commentary version. So watching the film with the commentary. And then it just dawned on me when I'm watching it again, like, oh, that's the straight razor. Um, and I don't I don't think you pick up on that when you get to a certain part of the film when he's having a flashback to his wife. Because to your point, Brad, it's just like rush to get into the event horizon so you can you can get to the haunted house ride. Yeah. I didn't get a pick up on the straight razor, but you know, I was trying to think of why he wanted to get back to the the ship so badly. No, that, and, that's an interesting yeah, so, like I said, that as you Charlie said. It, you just made the movie far better than it's ever been with that theorizing. Like, I don't want to rewatch it. I never will rewatch it. But if I did, that would be the entire purpose is to try and rework the narrative to fit that structure of uh, he's this like sneaky, like not sneaky, but like, okay, insider Catholic in, in the NSA that's like desperate, like to get to his wife who he fervently believes is in hell. Um, and he knows that this has gone to hell. Well, it, I think it's there. I, like to Brad's point, I, I think from if, if you do go back and watch it and you watch the Sam Neill character thread, the, the weird character, it's there. I don't know if Sam Neill pull, uh, pulls it off the way that Larry Fishburne pulls off his character through the film. You know, the, the only, the only bad thing I can say about Larry Fishburne is I don't understand his chair. I don't understand this whole hanging chair from the oh, ceiling yeah. swivels it around stuff. Like, again, that probably is a knock on the nineties um, technology or their interpretation of technology for 2047. But um, I, I don't know. Sam Neill just kind of goes from uh, he's got three arcs in this film. Uh, he's a sad um husband who lost his wife in the beginning goes to an apologetic uh, nerdy guy with a bunch of um, roughnecks and then goes to crazy town at the end to satan <laughs> yeah and there's no smooth transition between those three whereas um larry fishburne I, I love larry fishburne's reaction to the to the flaming guy where he's like this isn't real i shouldn't be seeing this what's going on he's trying to figure it out and even his description of where that memory is coming from is fantastic but sam neill just wears three different hats but doesn't transition between those as effectively as larry fishburne kind of going through this and he starts to question his sanity a little bit before he gets to grip and he's like we just gotta get off this ship what else about this film I, what's funny is i feel like you guys really enjoyed watching it though i ultimately i do like and i don't i I can literally sit here for another hour and a half and, and tell you all the things I don't like about this movie. But if it was on TV tomorrow, I would sit and watch it. If I never ever see someone stare longingly at a loved one or something that they think they saw and casually walk forward, um, into a direct threat whether it be oncoming traffic or down a freaking hole in a ship a spaceship oh. hole in a hell spaceship you can't have the presence of mind 
to watch where you're walking on a hole in a in a hell spaceship where you know for a fact your child does not reside i i have my quarrels i don't know which <laughs> when her body hits the ground though, when her that's yes but it makes up for it with her incredible splatter which is truthfully one of a kind she becomes like ground chuck like the, the real like grade d taco bell ground chuck just goop on at the bottom of this heart of the spaceship floor now that does make up for it now i wanted more of those like if you treated this more final destination sort of almost in a weird way like that might have made up for it but like they just like even baby bears uh like weird flotation device slash his eyes pop out like all this stuff like that should have been like he should have exploded onto Lawrence Fishburne like that's what should have happened like Lawrence Fishburne should have been jump forward to try and save him and then as soon as the airlock opens he just and then Lawrence Fishburne's covered in baby bear like that's <laughs> I don't think that would have made the cut Charlie if they were all the other stuff <laughs> that's what, what what we were missing here is like just those those few little elements where that's an odd the, sentence that is a weird <laughs> sentence <laughs> and especially the sound effect you added to it as well yeah mm. um but at the same time troy you're not wrong i still kind of love it like it's very bad it's, it's very bad it is a weird movie that when i talk to people about it our, our good friend john who was on last week um, was upset that he wasn't able to talk about Event Horizon because he watched it. And then when he found out we were going to talk about it, he watched it twice. Um, and it is one of those films that I run across and people talk about it. So it was, you know, you were talking about um, Brotherhood of the Wolf and Sleepy Hollow. I think this is one of those films that people are always championing and saying, hey, if you want a good sci-fi horror film, there's Event Horizon. Uh, and, and Screen Factory obviously is putting some money into it to release a Blu-ray edition I don't know if they're going to have this 130 minute cut. Apparently it's lost, but yeah. um, there's an article that I read that said that uh, they did find a cut of it on some master VHS tape that they were looking to clean up. So don't know if that cut will ever happen. There are some deleted scenes that are floating out there, storyboards, et cetera. Um, who knows? I mean, I, I, I'll, I've pre-ordered the Blu-ray. I am curious to see. Of course you did. I'm, I'm curious to see what else is available on this film. And and that's, you know, coming from already a pretty spectacular two-disc edition that Paramount put out. And apparently that DVD sold like hotcakes. Like this thing found a life um, on the home video market uh, and was very successful for Paramount. And obviously, you know, even though it stumbled at the box office, if you look at his filmography, stumbled. I mean, Anderson... That's Anderson, a kind word. Yeah, Anderson kept going um, and, you know, was given something like Resident Evil. Heck, he got the Alien and Predator franchise. Um, so Event Horizon has its fans. Uh, and there's a lot of them out there for it. Is it time to ask the question? Yeah, so you wanted to know the uh, international take of um, the Event Horizon? Yeah. I found $1. it. $1. One dollar. You're not that far off. <laughs> so remind me again. So the the hold on. Twenty six. Twenty six million dollars. A hundred and twenty four dollars. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So this this didn't get a uh, international. That's a birthday release. party. That's uh, all yeah. that is. That's a that is a birthday party. Didn't yep. get the international release. Okay. 
Well, that's weird because I would have thought something like this would have been like a New- huge hit in Japan or something. New Zealand. Thank New Zealand. You, okay. There you go. Thank you for your service. All right. Well, I, I think it's time Stumbled. to ask the question. Huh? Anything, anything else on Event Horizon we want to talk about? Nope. Okay. Charlie, you're our guest. I got to ask you. Um, 1997, Larry Fishburne, the guy from, from Jurassic Park, uh, Paul Anderson. Um, I, I guess he was known as Paul Anderson or credited as Paul Anderson on this film, but it's Paul W.S. Anderson. His um, sci-fi horror masterpiece, Event Horizon, is it a oh, bomb? Oh God! Well, you had to make me go first. I had to make you go first. You're a guest. You're you're. I know, you're but Charlie I don't G, want man. to. I don't want to go first. You have to go first. Is oh, this is... is Event Horizon a bomb? Okay. Can you use the term bomb in a sentence, please? <laughs> um, um, is Jesus. Event Horizon a bomb? <laughs> <laughs> Can I have the etymology of bomb? Oh my god! I'm gonna have to look up. I go back and forth like literally right now um it is a fun movie i enjoy it i have a lot of fun with it it is also terrible and very specific and i do wonder if my nostalgia does impact it more than i care to admit everything Everything compiled, I will gently slide to bomb. You, you're calling it a bomb. I am gently nudging to the bomb. Gently nudging to the bomb. Okay, Brad, this is your pick. Um, you've saw, you've seen it bits and pieces, probably a hundred times for full viewings. What did you think of Event Horizon? Is it a bomb? Um, I will say it is not a bomb, and. One of the reasons I am I'm going this route is Natalie asked me, my wife asked me what we were watching for this week. And I said, Event Horizon. She was like, oh, can I watch it with you? And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. She like is way smarter than I am. And she actually really loved this movie. And I was really kind of surprised. Hmm. But so maybe like it's better than what we're giving it credit for. So um, my nostalgia maybe isn't That's great enough. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. Again, that's me just like, again, looking at it from just my own perspective. But no, like, I, I just wonder. I do have know? fond memories of this movie, like Saturday night at eight o'clock, like, or, you know, Event Horizon on HBO. I'm like, okay, yeah. now I know what I'm doing. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, not a bomb for me. That's interesting. I, this movie makes me want to go back and watch all the movies it <laughs> is borrowing yeah. from heavily. A hundred percent. Because I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, I need to go watch 2001. Oh, I've got to go watch The Shining, The Haunting. Um, oh, Hellraiser. I can't remember the last time I watched that one. Um, and I, you don't, I need, you don't need to watch Hellraiser. <laughs> well, I, I need watch to. Hell too. Well, Hellbound. Hell, Hellraiser 2. Hellbound. I, would, I, like, I like the first two a lot, actually. Um, yeah. So I agree. With you you. Hellbound, I think Hellbound bike, 2 is better. But, on a bike. Yep. Um, but I struggle with this. I'm with you, Charlie. I, I kind of struggle with this one. I struggle appreciating its effectiveness. Um, on some aspects with the, it's sort of it's gothic inspired um, architecture of the ship and especially that back half of the ship I think is just amazing from a set design I love Larry Fishburne's performance um, the visual effects I think hold up well when it's not just CG uh, but man I roll my eyes big time especially when Bon Jovi is touching unknown liquids and um, the decompression hijinks it just doesn't 
I'm with you, Charlie. It's like, Hey, that should have ended differently. Um, but th- those are the two things that are always at play. But when I take a step back and go, um, should I be treating this as something of the caliber of those other films? Or is this just another like dumb haunted house in space, scary movie, which is, I think what they were really going for. I, I don't think it was trying to be heady. Um, and I come back to Sam Neill and Larry Fishburne's character, the antagonist and protagonist. And whereas Sam Neill doesn't handle those transitions, I do like that straight razor kind of thing. They slide in there and, and Brad, I really like your interpretation of maybe what he wants to do. Um, and Larry Fishburne sells it for me. I, I, I'm going to do what you do, Charlie, and slide into, um, it's not a bomb, but it's not barely a bomb. So I, I'll, I'll be on the side that, yeah, I would kind of recommend it, but um, it's not one that, like I said, I, I would just go out and champion. I, I think it's a, it's a dumb haunted house movie, but it's fun. Listen, if they had gotten one single interpreter that spoke Latin, <laughs> <laughs> then you would have been fine, huh? I, it's, I'm, I'm in. But when the NSA can't provide a Latin interpreter, I have my grievances. It's a lost language, Charlie. <laughs> so I, I have a snay on the bombed stay. I have a I have a quick little antidote for you guys. So what is Larry Fishburne's probably most popular role? Well Matrix. It's, yeah, Matrix. Uh, yeah, Matrix. So in nineteen ninety-nine, so two years after oh, this movie. Wow. Holy two crap, years man. after this movie. The Matrix budget was $63 million. Is that not like the most damning thing to Event Horizon you've ever heard? Well, it's funny because um, Anderson talks about a story on the commentary and says that he ran into Larry Fishburne after The Matrix and said, hey, I really want to thank you for all the work we did on Event Horizon because that was the first time he did wire work. So they're doing the wire work for like the anti-gravity stuff. Oh. And the reason why they came up with the technology of the gravity boots is because there's a bunch of um, footage of them floating around on the wires and, and moving around and it didn't look good. So they came up with the gravity boots so that they could walk around. But Larry Fishburne credits Event Horizon for him getting through the wire work on the Matrix. Really wish the investors of Event Horizon could credit that and get some of their money from yeah, the okay. Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> You know, this, this, it's a weird film. Like I said, I, I don't really care if there's a 130 minute cut out there. I would, I would like to see a different cut, but not like a longer cut per se. Um, so I'm, I'm curious what, you know, the, the future releases of this turn up. Uh, and I think it's a case of, you know, regardless of what you say about, you know, directors and, and how Hollywood works, et cetera, and test screenings. I mean, they're trying to make money, right? So they're going to yeah. test screen the heck out of it to say, are people going to buy tickets to this? The problem with this one, though, is I think that whole process did um, put Anderson and, and crew filmmakers and everything else in a compromised position. And and even in the commentary, they say, you know, some they're happy with what got pushed out, but they know it wasn't what ultimately they wanted to do. Yeah. But at the same time, I will say in, in this movie's defense, ultimately, I will continue to watch these kinds of like haunted house or whatever trapped in a something monster a- anything like this of this vein uh, i'm just i'm down for it. i just am like i can't help it like uh brad i've like ever since you said the word pandorum like i just can't get out of my head like almost like a carbon copy style flick 
and i i love that movie like it's it's not good um it (laughs) it's really not um it's another one that could have gleefully made this one uh take a brad take a guess on pandorum's budget this is from 2009 20 million dollars not not bad not bad 33 million dollar budget what do you think it's uh what do you think its entire um domestic gross was Minus you and me, fifteen million dollars. <laughs> you and me. I was gonna say I, uh, I didn't think it cracked ten. Troy, I'd say ten Troy? million. Yeah, uh, ten point three. Okay, that's not good. In case you you guys had yeah. uh, math math <clears throat> skills, I think um, this. I think I love these. Like I just do. But I think they're hard to do. Yes. Yeah, they I are. Agree. Well, and the problem is too that the people that are really running the 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 studio system for horror and sci-fi right now are the Blumhouses and stuff, which their entire goal is like absolute pure efficiency of the dollar, which in some respects I appreciate because it does make the filmmaker get creative and, and, and try new things and do some stuff. But to have these kind of sci-fi space movies and things like that, you, you just need money clearly like you just yeah. do the sets well, require work yeah but I, I i think you need vision uh, yeah, the, yeah. The, i the space film in horror always feels what you know what's the term when something jumps the shark when you go up too much right leprechaun in space jason x when he goes to space mm-hmm. goes to space yeah um, watch when, your when, mouth yeah <laughs> but you always hear when a franchise goes to space i mean they're talking about fast and furious is gonna go to space that's usually the indicator that, oh, they ran out of ideas, so you got to take it you know, to this other thing. I, I agree with you guys. Doing a horror film in space, even from an original content, um, make a haunted house movie in space that was like this. I think that's a great idea, um, but I think it's super hard to execute, and I think as a result of people really trying to do it, like Event Horizon, um, I, I think people kind of throw that out there and say, oh, once, once you take that horror franchise to space, you're doing something wrong. Hellraiser went to space. Um, I mean, every well, franchise goes the, to space and then everybody goes, well, that, that's where it went off the rails. A more recent one. I think it was last year's Underwater. Um, uh, Kristen Stewart, um, TJ, I that I was think this TJ year. Miller. Is it, is it this year? I don't know what year it is at this point. <laughs> All right, give me a break. It was this year. Um, I think it was in it was January. This year? Yeah, it was January. Yeah. I saw in the theater, so I assumed it was 2019. <laughs> um, no, this has been the longest year ever. So. Yeah. But point. my point is, like, that is, a, again, same kind of thing now that's more that's a more of a monster flick than, but, that, than but that's another subgenre look at look at all the yeah. underwater films deep star six yeah. the abyss i mean mm-hmm. uh sphere those are complicated sphere. films because sphere, Brad. why sphere. are we talking about sphere but those that's a complicated uh, you know horror underwater versus horror in space they're complicated genres um and it's it's good that you could you could look at underwater and say, "Oh, it's effectively done." It's it's one that I want to see because I've heard great things about it. I really enjoy underwater. Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, isn't Pandorum technically underwater? I'm trying to remember. Shoot, is now, it, I think you're right. Tw- no, I think the, you're right. Oh my gosh, is, I want It's not in space. All I want to do is watch Pandorum. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, yes, yeah, we you're right. That. I yeah. just remembered that. Yeah. I love but no, Pandora. hey, look. I think I think what we're saying is if if you can check your brain at the door, which I hate that term, right? Yeah. I don't even think you have to check your brain at the door. I actually think keep your brain on. Um, you can dissect this sucker and still have a lot of fun with it. And um, 
you know, let us know if you pick up on anything that we have missed. I, I really think there's a lot there mm-hmm. um, that we maybe didn't, you know, tackle in terms of uh, other type of imagery or subtext because this stuff is all over there. Um, but I think it the some of the dumb things distract you from trying to dissect it in that fashion. Uh, but hey, any listeners who are Event Horizon fans, um, Brad, how would they get a hold of us to tell us their opinion? Uh, that would be Gmail. It's uh, notabombpod at gmail.com. Um, also, Twitter, notabombpod. So, and Facebook, which is not a bomb podcast. So, yeah, you can get a hold of us. Also, on our website, which is notabombpodcast.com, you can hit the uh, contact us and uh, let us know what we got right about all of our scientific stuff. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. Believe yeah, it or not. no, and I'm, I'm real curious because I know there are tons of fans of this film big defenders and it is i i this think guy considered a cult classic so um let us know if there's some type of plot point detail story imagery tidbit of information that's hiding there that we didn't pick up on that we should we'd love to hear more about it troy brad what are we watching next week well it'll be the final film right for spooktober Sadly, yes. Yeah, and I mean, we I, I really feel like we had a good run. I mean, we started the month out with Chopping Mall. I mean, we're not dying, so we're still going to go. No, I know. It's not horror movies. I'm just saying that I, we've we've really tackled a bunch of different genres, and there's there's so many more, right? So we did Chopping Mall, which is your cheesy '80s. Um, uh, well, it's just fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, then we went to your favorite, <laughs> Giallo, with uh, Dario Argento, Tenebrae. Oh, both of you, thumbs down. That's okay. Um, and then Argent, Tim- no. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. Dang it, Charlie. Charlie Gonzalez, we everybody. <laughs> we were friends. Um, and so, science fiction horror this week. I thought we'd do something a little bit different. Um, and I don't think you've seen this film, right, Brad? So we're gonna do 1957. Um, it goes under two different titles, Night of the Demons or Curse of the Demon. So Night of the Demon is a, I believe, the UK title. And um, Curse of the Demon was how it was shown in the US. Uh, if you are lucky enough to track this down, and I think you did, Brad, there's an indicator series, Blu-ray. Um, you... <laughs> Well, congrats. You both are going to send me a copy because that's all I'm doing. I'm going to, I'm pimping you all out and I'm getting me some demon. Yeah, this is a, this is an interesting release. So this one has a lot of history behind it too. Um, But if you, if you get the Blu-ray, there's four cuts of the film on there. There's two UK versions and two US versions. So we'll talk about this in detail. Um, There's tons of special features, but even if you don't want to put the money out for the indicator series, which is, um, I believe it's a UK brand, but this Blu-ray is all region. Um, There is a DVD version out there on Amazon for like 10 bucks and it has both versions, Night of the um, Demon and Curse of the Demon. Um, It's an old black and white film from 1957. Uh, I think I discovered it by watching um, a horror host and I can't remember which one talk about this film. And uh, it's been one of my favorites. And I think, Brad, what we're also going to do, if we find time this week, we might watch another little film that was not a bomb. It did very well, but it was. Yeah, I, I kept thinking I kept thinking this movie was like, you know, not very 
well-received and all this stuff, but no, you could go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, Sam Raimi's drag me to hell. Um, if anybody has seen that film and really liked it, then you're going to love night of the demon. Um, and we'll talk about why next week. Uh, cause this one actually just, you know, a little bit of information. It kind of got dumped over here in the drive-ins as a second bill. Um, so we're going to find out if it is any good and, Brad, are you going to try and watch both versions? Because I know there's a 96-minute version and then the 82-minute version. So when I'll it came out the, in the U.S., it came out sure. in 82 minutes. I'm going to watch the 96-minute, and then I'm going to watch Drag Me to Hell. I can't promise the 82-minute cut, but I'll try. Okay, and you got the Indicator Blu-ray, right? You did find I do. that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Cool. Yep. I got it on e- off eBay. Um, one more thing before we go, and this is really bothering me, Troy, and... Uh, we host another podcast on our website, uh, which is called Friends with Cinefits. And this week, they reviewed a small film called Scream. Scream. Uh, Alex. Uh, yes, our good Scream friend is, Alex. Scream is um, maybe my favorite horror movie of all time. Oh, wow. Um, and Alex didn't ask you to be on? He did not. And they also rated at the end of every show. Alex gave it two out of three um so unfortunately we can no longer what, what's, host <laughs> what's really what what what's good what what does good what, i mean like he, is that is that they're like weird i like, think he just w- does one perfect. two and three like it's one, one two, not good three. two's I, middle of the road and three yeah. is good so unfortunately alex's podcast will no longer be found on our phone <laughs> getting canceled no. No, I'm uh, yeah, yeah, I, there's, uh, motion uh seconded i you know i Scream might have the best opening of any horror movie of all time. Uh, uh, it's so good. Full disclosure, the opening to Scream made me pee my pants. <laughs> oh, well, that's nice. Actually, <laughs> actually, you shared that. Legitimately <laughs> true. Um, Alex has a good podcast. So the movies that they've talked about, because they're doing another um, horror uh, movie-themed month, is they tackled, uh, let me see, Hereditary, the birds and now scream and i don't know what his fourth one is that he has lined out but uh, Shoot, i don't remember yeah he's he, he's actually got a really um fun podcast and you know alex is a little bit younger than us so he is discovering a lot of films that i think you and i take for for granted brad and have seen multiple times but um you know go give it a listen it, it's a lot of fun but i'm sorry brad well maybe maybe we put alex in time out for a little bit and until yeah. he bumps it up to a three <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. Um, and one last thing before we go, because um, I have to tell this horror movie story uh, because Charlie's on and I want to make him sound like a crazy person because he is. So Charlie and I, <laughs> Charlie and I got hired at a bank um, out of one summer and we started training um, together. And I didn't know Charlie before this and we like met each other and like, of course, we're talking about movies and we go to see The Dark Knight like five times that summer. Um, a little bit later on, I asked Charlie, I said, hey, you know, I, I like horror movies a lot. I know you like horror movies a lot. I said, do you have any that I can borrow from you? Because I want oh, yeah. <laughs> to watch something. <laughs> this guy gives me the movie Inside which I'm not sure oh, if my. people realize is a French film. Brad, if anybody wants to know about Inside, yeah. they can go back like um, 10 years and listen to us talk about Inside. Inside, yes. Yep. Charlie 
out of nowhere does not give me a warning. Does <laughs> that is not a movie you recommend to Just people out of the gives gate. me inside and says, hey, watch this. <laughs> I don't know Listen, why I'm still friends with Charlie to this day because he might that be crazy, but was a friendship test and yeah. you passed. Uh, so here we are. Yeah. All wow, I Charlie. can say is you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you ha- you have two children. Everything's fine. Uh, like there's, I I did nothing wrong. I I am I stand firmly. That's a, that's a little aggressive friendship test though, Charlie. I did know Charlie. Work? Did it work? Oh, Troy, you're here too. Okay. You're, you're the inside child that hath birthed from this womb. Uh, and I think you recommended that one to me too. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Yeah. I okay. didn't watch it until you told me about it. Yeah. And Charlie yeah. took me to a horror hound one time to literally see martyrs. So like that's two yeah. strikes. Wow. And yeah. you know what? It was great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was before uh, we had streaming. Okay. Yeah. All right. That, that's so, a great story. Well, Charlie, um, man, you bring the fun. I can't tell you how awesome it is to just spend a couple hours hearing your voice, um, talking to you about, you know, um, I, I, I love talking about this type of film, especially with you, where it's not like totally in the gutter and it's not totally, you know, top tier. It, it just runs in the middle to where I get to hear you pray something, but at the same time, tear it down. Like those are my favorite Charlie moments when you kind of bring the thunder and in one breath, you can just totally tear the logic out of something and then turn around and spend the same amount of time just reaching it to, you know, praising it to new heights. Um, it's one of my favorite things about you, man. I, I love hearing you talk film. So I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and doing this. Well, I deeply appreciate you basically telling me that I'm your favorite friend that's middle of the road. And, uh, <laughs> And, uh, and you know it's good if i'm a five out of ten on the friend scale apparently you know is what it is i'll take it i'm not a one i'm not a ten i'm a five this is the uh, other thing i love about you you take a comment you know? and you take it to a place where it, it yeah. doesn't deserve to be no. i'm telling you i don't you, suck you the, but i'm not awesome so you, you know you give the best criticisms of these type yeah. of films and you're like well i'm the middle of a friend Char- charlie's our john stockton of friends yes yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah i get i you know i put up numbers <laughs> but i don't make you happy no, well, you don't win a championships, a, but you know, you're, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. What's uh, made the finals? Okay, mid 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 grade Mark Hamill. He's not that right, or mm-hmm, mid grade yeah. Bon Jovi. So mm-hmm. hey, you got that going for you, man. Mark Hamill is mid grade Mark Hamill. So, hey. man, <laughs> whoa, bud, step off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. All right. I, uh, Troy, I know yes. you had a rough week. I'm glad Troy, uh, Charlie, and I could uh, join you this week and all that. So. Uh, thanks guys. I yep. definitely needed this. Um, yep. and I 100%, like I've told you, uh, since this week, appreciate every minute we get to sit down and talk and exchange and, um, life would just not be as fun without you guys, uh, in it. So, um, I'm super grateful, man. Yep. Right back at you, you spend. I'm always here to help you enjoy average things. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's like your superpower, man. I can't wait for us to go to Applebee's next. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, I can. I love it. I love it. I would have never expected you to take any of these comments to go that way. But that's my favorite thing about you, man. You always surprise me with this stuff. All right. Uh, Brad, anything else? No. Charlie. Good. I love you. Oh, (laughs) love you too, man. 
All right, folks, uh, don't know if you're listening in the morning or in the evening. As always, we are super, super appreciative that you download this. And um, hey, if you got any feedback for us, shoot it our way. We're still trying to um, put a list together of some turkeys for November. So those are movies that are so bad, they're fun. Um, If you got any suggestions, hit us up with them. And um, with that, have an awesome October, and we'll chat with you next week. Peace. Thank you.